Nice to see Bedard made the list after playing four NHL games. Devon Taves at 75. An absolute Chris joke. Ryder, sixth in goal since 2022. Five ahead of him are ranked top 10. Jason Robertson is not better than Elias Pettersson. Any top 100 that doesn't include Never rank a game. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Arda Ocal, here with you twice weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as the NHL on ESPN YouTube. And Wish, I am very confident in saying this will be the episode where we will have absolutely no controversy at all and <laughs> everyone will agree with everything we say. The people are angry, Arda, as you heard <laughs> off the top. The people are angry about the NHL 100 rank edition for 2023-24 that we did on ESPN.com. Again, people have been asking me, why are we talking about it? We just did a roundtable on the website, kind of reacting to the, to the ranking as well. And I'm like, look, you guys want to talk about it. You, you're hitting me up on Twitter or whatever we're calling it these days. And you're all asking me, how did this list happen? Why isn't Evgeny Malkin on there? So we decided to use some of the real estate given to us on this very podcast to go into some of the specifics of why the rank is the rank. But Arda, tell the people what we're talking about here with this NHL rank. Well, first of all, we're not going to talk about Evgeny Malkin at all. So if you're here for that, sorry. <laughs> no, we're definitely uh, going to talk. We're, no, we're people are already upset that the round table didn't cover Malkin. So yes, we're going to talk about Malkin. I promise you. Uh, okay, so an ESPN panel of more than 50 broadcasters, analysts, reporters, and editors uh, came together to rate players based on how good they will be for the 2023-2024 season compared to their peers. And the emphasis was placed on their value for this upcoming season. That's important. Value for this upcoming season, which explains why players that are currently out injured might be lower than if they were completely healthy. And quite possibly if they were injured last season, that certainly factors in as well. Remember, it is all about this upcoming season, not necessarily right. historical performance. Okay, so, so let me pull the curtain back on this because people have been asking. It's not as if 50 people made top 100 lists, okay? It's not like Steve Levy's not sitting down with a pen and paper and writing down 100 names and then sending it off to the editors, okay? The way that the list was compiled is the way that we also do our power rankings, which is that you are given two names and then you click on the name that you think will be more valuable to their team this season. So I'm looking at the screen. I see Nazem Kadri. I see Jack Hughes. I click on Jack Hughes. That is how the list is compiled. And all of the people that contributed to the list did this. They, they you know, we had thousands and thousands and thousands of responses. And that's how the list was created. So that's important. It's not simply just like 50 people submitting top 100 lists maybe right. in the future that's the way it should go i don't know but the the uh the way that this list was compiled is as such that it's comparing player versus player and then the results are created based on that now there is some editorial oversight insofar as where people place on the list not necessarily with players jumping in that don't make the cut but definitely in the case of like Sidney crosby for example people are like why is Sidney crosby like 24th overall or wherever he finished well, if you had saw the first incarnation of the list, you probably would have been shocked by where Sidney Crosby was. So there's a little bit of editorial oversight, but mostly it is the list that's created by that function of player yes. versus player, click one name. And that's how we get this rank every year. 
And to your point, that's how we do many of our ranks. It's not just Correct. this particular list. It's many of them. We get uh, similar scenarios like this every single week. It could be teams. It could be defensemen. It could be a whole bunch of categories. And this is how it is determined through these thousands of votes, like you said. So right. this list is live now. I'm sure if you're watching this, you've already seen the list. But just in case, it is live on ESPN.com right now. The top five. <laughs> If you're in Pittsburgh, chances are you've seen this list. I'm going to tell you right now. Someone Absolutely. has shown you this list. They said it very angrily. They yeah. probably said very disparaging things about me. Uh, and yes, please, please screenshot, please screenshot your group texts about it and tag <laughs> us on Twitter. That would be wonderful. Uh, number one, Connor McDavid. Number two, Cal McCarr. Number three, Nathan McKinnon. Number four, Jack Hughes. And number Number five, Austin Matthews. That is the top five. Again, the top 100 is available on the website. Let's talk about the most controversial ranks. What have you heard? What have you seen? What do you think, Wish? All right. So the sense I get from some people um, is that there was two rankings in particular that they, that they felt were egregiously high. One is the aforementioned Jack Hughes at number four. Like There is no question that Jack Hughes is one of the best players in this league. I think he's a top 15 player in this league right now. Even I... Devils fanboy uh, don't believe that he should be ahead of, say, like Leon Dreisaitl uh, or or Austin Matthews at this point in his career. I think Jack is an incredible player. We're seeing it already. I mean, as the Devils are kind of mid off the hop, he's got like six points in three games. But him at number four, not only was a, a little too early, but also maybe spoke to a little bit of the geographic bias of the voting process. The second one, Arda, Oh, and this one really burned a lot of people, and I agree because it's way too high, is Seth Jones, defenseman for the Chicago Blackhawks at number 52. Now, you mentioned the um, the way that li this list was supposed to be put together, which is to have a focus on the 23-24 season, who, who were going to be the top players this year. I mean, Seth Jones is going to be on a team that's going to be bad defensively. They're a rebuilding team, and he himself hasn't been really good for the last few seasons. This seemed very reputation-based circa three or four years ago to have him ahead of some of the other defensemen on this list. So Seth Jones at 52 was a real whiff for this list. To pull the curtain even further, uh, all the questions that I got for the pick and choose was, is Seth Jones better than this AHL defenseman? And so that's why he's higher on the list, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Clearly, that's that what happened here. Just for the record, uh, to your point about Dreisaitl, that was my biggest uh snub for me was dry at six i thought he should have been two or at least in the top three so but jack hughes high on the list uh i believe for sure top five debatable but i mean he he could certainly fit that mark by it's, the end of the season but again this is coming into no. the season exactly okay that's a fair exactly. point like if if you're talking about what 23 24 might look like i mean maybe this ends up being justified having a fourth overall but i sure. just think that you know, when you think about the players that he's ahead of on this list, it, it, it just seemed a little a little early. Uh, snubs. snubs. Snubs that are on the list. We'll get to the ones that didn't make the cut in a few. Uh, Nazem Kadri was 54th overall last season. Clocks in at 86 this season. What were your thoughts on that, Arda? Well, this, the playoff success with the Avalanche, I think, uh, was warranted in terms of his higher rank last season. And maybe the fact that the Flames didn't make the playoffs colored that a little bit. I think he's still a player that deserves to be higher on the list. 
Alex Petrangelo actually moved up the list. He was 95th last season, speaking of the playoffs, and then went to 84th this season. And the minute, uh, I'd I'd say, within five minutes of this ranking being posted to ESPN.com, I had a text from somebody with the Golden Knights that was like, you guys are insane. This man is a top 20 player in the league. Now, I don't know if I go that far. But I would say that that 84th for Petrangelo, based on you know what he's going to do this season, what he did last season, and, and the player that he is, I would agree is a little bit a little bit too too high. So Golden Knights, Jack Eichel's at ninth. I'm just looking at the top yeah. twenty. Uh, Jack Eichel's at ninth. Mark Marcheseau is not in the top twenty. Was Mark Where is Stone? The, was Mark Stone? In the, Mark Stone, I think, made the list, but Marcheseau's not there. Um, and Marcheseau was a Conn Smythe winner, so yeah, top so, twenty might be a little high. Right, but but Petrangelo at eighty four was 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 he, he'd be higher. Uh, speaking of defenseman number seventy nine, Jacob Slavin, he was sixty mm. ninth last year, so he dropped ten spots. Mm-hmm. Again, like the problem with Slavin is always the problem with Slavin, which is that you're going to have players that have flashier offensive numbers that place ahead of them. But uh, but it, just like with the Golden Knights, this list hits. I got a text from somebody with the Hurricanes. They're like, how do you possibly have Jacob Slavin this far behind Seth Jones? And I say to them, well, you know, it's blah, 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 blah. Devin Taves, uh, Colorado Avalanche, 59th last year, 75th this year. Again, uh, dropping in the ranking despite not really doing anything to deserve it, I don't think. Uh, still one of the best two-way defensemen in this league. And, uh, and the Colorado people were a little bit uh, perturbed by him being underrated by the list. Are all of these picks uh, teams reached out to you and expressed their displeasure? No, those are the at only least three. One? At those least one. Those are the oh, only, okay. only two curious. Three. Just, you just got a um, of teams just texting you. <laughs> I, want, I want to get to the most egregious one that's on the list okay. in a second. But uh, Andre Vasilevsky at 57, like you said, the criteria for the poll was taking injury into account this yes. poll was obviously held in the wake of his uh, injury, costing him a couple months of the season. So I think that's why Vasilevsky ends up at 57 after being 10th last year. But again, like he's going to come back at some point when he does, he's going to be pretty good. So 57, maybe a little bit uh, too high for him. And, and, to, and, and to your point though, like people aren't really factoring that in, even though we're saying we are factoring it in, Correct. they're looking at it and they're making their own decisions and putting their opinion out there and not necessarily looking at the criteria. Right. Sidney Crosby, 23rd down from 13th last year, ranked behind Sebastian Ajo on this list has been mentioned by one or two Penguins fans. My mentions this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd have, I'd, I'd have Crosby top 15 still. That guy is incredible. And uh, you know, over point per game last season still is one of the better two way players in this league and still doing it. Uh, as, as said, the kid ages up. I mean, he's, he's still Crosby. Buddy, I've and been so, saying it. They're, they're going to have a top five power play with Carlson there, and, and then that's going to boost Sydney as well. So there you go. Yeah. The one that I found to be the most egregious was Quinn Hughes, to be honest with you. Quinn Hughes clocked in at 60 overall, 58th last season. Probably drops a little bit because the Canucks weren't good last year. But over the last two seasons, only three defensemen have more points than Quinn Hughes. That's Roman Yossi, who was 28th, Kale McCarr, who was second, and Adam Fox, who was 14th, to have Quinn Hughes 60th, to have him ranked behind Seth Jones and several other defensemen, I felt was a bit egregious. A bit egregious. I agree. Anybody with else you. Uh, stand out to you from the list? 
Well, Quinn Hughes, I will say, uh, definitely. And the captain buff. Let's not forget about the captain buff. Okay. He's that that's a real thing. And you I feel like C. that's going to contribute. You got the C, the captain yeah. buff, as I call it. Um, the I, I will actually uh, go to snubs off the list. We'll talk about the main event in a second. We'll save that for now. I'm surprised that Matt Zuccarello is not on the list. I, 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 I think why. that, uh, well, I, I put him and Kirill Kaprizov among the best one-two punches in the league. I think that he contributes very well offensively, and he is a key cog in the wheel for Kaprizov to be as good as he is because they find each other often at, like, Sedin-level chemistry. And Kaprizov is very high on this. Isn't is he in the top 20? I think he's in the top 20. He's, he's way high, know. yeah. Yeah, he's very high. So, like, I just feel like the, if, if you have a tandem that is so good, and maybe this is my bias because I'm a big fan of the one-two punch in the NHL. If you have one player of that one, it, and th by the way, I want to be clear: this is not a the Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty situation. <laughs> okay, there's no way that Matt Zuccarello is Marty Jannetty in this equation. Can you agree with that? Can we? Can I don't we know. I've never seen him jump through a window, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, there's no barbershop window in Minneapolis or St. <laughs> Paul that Matt Zuccarello's gone through. But if Kirill Kaprizov is so high on the list and Matt Zuccarello is not on the list, that to me is like, that's interesting. So that that to me constitutes, at least by technical definition, a snub. Uh, you have a couple of others here on the list. Yeah, Chris Kreider didn't make the cut. He was 84th last year. He's 103rd this year. I mean... He's a total package player. I mean, he's, he's a year removed from being a 50-goal scorer. He's one of the better shorthanded players in the league. He's arguably the best net front guy that we have in the league right now. Um, I, I felt that was a, a, a snub. Claude Giroux uh, was 90th last year, 123rd this year. That's another guy that I think is on the cusp. And 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 maybe when people... Well, again, when, when we're talking about what the list should be, which is a projection of what this year is going to look like, He's on one of the best lines in the league, you know, and the other two yes. guys that are on the line with him, Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzel, are, are both on this list. So the idea that the third guy from that line wouldn't be on the list is kind of insane. Let's get to Evgeny Malkin, shall we? Okay, uh, main event. Unranked last year, unranked this year. 83 points in 82 games last season. 29th in points per game over the last three seasons, over a point per game. And... This is the story of this man's life. Like he was snubbed from the NHL 100 top players of all time list. Uh, he's snubbed from this list on almost an annual basis. What is it about Gino Malkin that does not register when it comes to these types of best player lists? Now, I have a theory as to why it is now, which is that you know, there may be a perception of it being a one-dimensional player. Like, it's obvious that he's lost a step from a step that he probably never had to begin with already. Like, he's he's not nearly as mobile as he was when he was younger. Um, but from a point production standpoint, I mean, he totally outpaces some of the players that did make this list. Is it a, a function of being stuck in Crosby's shadow? Is it a function of him being out of the lineup for, for spells, which has kind of defined his career? Like, what is it about Evgeny Malkin that people didn't have him make the cut? Or when we saw he didn't make the cut, have everybody grab their torches and run to the editor's office and say, we've got to get him on the list? That is a very good question. I was shocked when Malkin did not make this list. But then I'm looking at like, uh, like, 
if we were to l- let's just do a thought experiment here if you got that if you were in the uh voting process okay and you got yeah. evgeny malkin and tomas hurdle i mean i'm taking i'm probably taking malkin from those two i think Hur- hurdle was one that people were a little bit oogie about but i'm like you got to remember the team around him stinks like yeah. he's still a really good player but the team around him stinks yeah, I mean, I, again, I think you know, Malkin... I like he's number one hundred. Hurdles at, at hundred. So I guess yeah. I'm just doing by I'm doing a mathematical. Ryan O'Reilly, Evgeny Malkin. I might pick Malkin in that situation. In terms well, of impact this season, O'Reilly. like O'Reilly yeah. is a, a, a complete player, whereas Malkin at this point in his career maybe not be. But again, right. from a points production standpoint and an offensive standpoint, he's clearly the better player. So like, what I'm again, saying I, is I, for I don't, the. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go down the whole list here but like No no I'm like, not I I, I, I guess I guess like what examples. I Here's 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 the thing I want to say. This was a screw up. This was a screw up. Like you got to have Malkin in the top 100. Malkin's better than most of the guys in this list. It's it's not a situation where the numbers should dictate him not being there. We have to have a certain number of defensemen or goalies or or what have you and and you can't make room for Evgeny Malkin. Like He's he's over a point per game player last season. This list came out at a time when he was the player of the one of the players of the week in the NHL. Like it, it's and he it had is the embarrassing. If, to, they, to if the season ended tomorrow, out. yeah. It, if, if the season ended tomorrow, to I'd this, win the Hart Trophy. Yeah, it's embarrassing to have this list come out and have him not on the list. And and the people that have been lighting up our mentions and and saying you know horrible things about uh, you know our coverage and stuff like. It, it went overboard, but it, I understand where it comes from because it's not a thing that you want to have happen. And it's an oversight and and it, it shouldn't happen. And it's probably one of those things where we have to take a look at the process and the and the uh, the way we're doing this. If, if a guy that that's good doesn't make the cut. Um, but I, I do want to say something about the list, though, which is that like I know that everybody has their conspiratorial takes on why we do these things and yeah ultimately we do it so we can have arguments but there's a difference between and and, and i've done lists all my life like back in blog days my first book was a list like i love lists (laughs) but there's there's two different kinds of lists it's lists that you create in order to stoke argument and debate and have people click on the list so they can read it and then get steamed about their guy not you know being where they think they should be and then there's lists that you know miss the ball to the point where you have people rejecting the totality of it as being invalid because someone didn't make the cut or a decision was made that that they you totally disagree with and i don't think we're going for the latter (laughs) like i don't think of course we weren't of course we yeah i don't i don't think any of us want this list to come out and all of a sudden it's like you guys suck like that that's tough and so when the malkin thing happens and that's the focus of everybody and, you know, the good work that went into other parts of this list and all the writing that was done by like Kristen and me and Ryan, you know, gets ignored. It's just it's a bummer. It's a it's a bummer when that becomes the focus of the list. And uh, and and it probably is on us to figure out why it happened and, and how to make it not happen again. That's the reason why I went through that exercise, like even in a short dose, just to show you that it, the scenario could exist where Malkin was edged out very closely by certain players that made the list in the minds of the people that were voting, which then contributed to him not being on this list. That could be one reason 
possible reason why Malkin is not on the list, but I agree. He absolutely belongs on the list, and he continues to be the NHL's most snubbed and, player of our generation. And it, and it was a situation where where he finished in the ranking was not like he was he wasn't one hundred and first. You know, like he wasn't in that right. collection right. of 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 honorable mentions that were like right near the top one hundred. So, yeah, I mean, when you think about how good he's going to be this year, he's already doing it. When you think about how good he was last year, he's he's got that. You know, there's there's flaws in his game. He's a different player than he was ten years ago, but he's clearly one of the top 100 players in the league. And the fact that he wasn't on this list was kind of a a, a bad look for us. So everybody is justified in their their anger that you've heard at the top of the program. Please continue to send us your thoughts on social media. Another honorable mention on this list is Carter Verhage of the Florida Panthers, and he joins us now on the drop. Join us now on the drop. Number 23 in your programs, number one in your hearts, Carter Verhage, winger for the Florida Panthers. And Carter, let's start off with this. The run the Panthers had last year, it was epic. It was incredible. Looking back on it, what is the one memory that you cherish the most from that run for the Panthers to the cup final? I think the one thing that I'll always remember is the group of guys. I mean, uh, I think that's the biggest thing, how we just came together at the right time. and. I mean, how we all got so close. And I mean, in the playoffs, you're there, you're in the city for a couple of days. You're in like the kind of community room playing cards, hanging out. I think that's the biggest thing uh, that I'll take from it. I mean, the games beating the teams in Boston and Toronto were obviously amazing too. But I think just like the group we had was so close and it's awesome hanging out with them. Carter, I promise I'm not asking this question trying to bring up bad memories, but we all, we as fans, we always see the documentation of the Stanley Cup championship team and what they do in the 24 to 48 hours after they win, right? I would love to know what you and the Florida Panthers did. Take us as much detail as you can, even mundane, like who spoke in the locker room? Did you guys go to dinner? Did you want to be alone? Like what happens with you and your team, the moment you got off the ice, you shook hands with them, you got off the ice, you go into the locker room, what happens to your team, the, the team that loses the Stanley Cup in that 24 to 48-hour span? Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a good feeling, obviously. And I think uh, we were kind of just crushed. I mean, uh, there wasn't much to say. I mean, uh, it was a hell of a journey. I think we kind of just hung out as a team, went back to the hotel, hung out as a team and just kind of enjoyed the last kind of bit of time we had together. Cause you know, in the, in the NHL, no, no team really stays together uh, every year. There's always different parts. Every, everyone moves. And I mean, we kind of built something special and I think that's kind of, we just kind of just cherished our, our last kind of, kind of time with each other in the hotel. And that's pretty much it. What was sort of the slogan or thesis statement coming into this season? I mean, you guys, in some ways, came out of nowhere last year to do what you did, at least making that run. Um, when you have a run like that, you come back this season. What what are you guys saying in the locker room or in practice coming into this year, as far as what the uh, what the mantra is? What's the what's the focus? I think uh, when you have that kind of run, it's easy to think like you can just get back there just because you've been there before. And I mean, but we kind of know how hard it was for us and how hard all year was. We were grinding all year. And I think that's kind of the message, how 
how difficult it is to get to a position like that and to get your game to a place where you're competing for the Stanley Cup. I mean, it was very difficult to get to that situation. I think it took a lot out of everyone I mean, all year grinding. And I think that's kind of kind of the message, kind of just, I mean, it's not going to be easy. We're not just going to get into the playoffs this year and get to the finals just because we were there last year. It's <laughs> a new year and a lot, a lot has changed. And I think that's the biggest thing. How, how motivated are, are are your teammates and yourself, especially after the run you guys had? Like, what, what was the mood like in training camp in the first couple of games? Yeah, it, it, it was, I mean, a lot of confidence, I think. I think we have a lot of confidence from the run we went on. And I think we learned so much throughout that run and kind of what it takes. A lot of guys have never been that far in the playoffs. And I think, yeah, you kind of come to training camp, kind of a, knowing what we can do and how special our group can be. And I think uh, you kind of just have to take it and kind of run with it. I mean, every year it's, there's new faces. I mean, our room's a little quieter this year. And I think we kind of got to get back to who we are and having fun out there and kind of bonding, I think. A Matthew Kachuk team having confidence. This is a first. I've not heard this before. <laughs> Very odd thing. Why don't I ask you about your history a little bit? I was curious about something. I know that you were on the 2013 under 18 team Canada that won gold. You had on that team a 16 year old Connor McDavid at the time. What are your memories or recollections of, of what he did with that team and, and, and what kind of player and guy he was like back then? Yeah, back then, I think, yeah, it was crazy. We were in Sochi, Russia. And yeah, he was like obviously phenomenal. It was like, I was so shocked to even see what he was doing at that young of age. I remember he he was I think he was one of the only ones that could wear had to wear the full the full mask or something. Or maybe we all did. I don't know. But I mean, he was so dominant. Every time it seemed like every time he stepped on the ice, we scored a goal. And I was I think I was there on the, I was on the fourth line. I was just like, I don't even want to go put put Connor on the ice. <laughs> He'll be yeah. fine. Just go double shift. No problem. Yeah, double shift. <laughs> I, I, I need to win this tournament. <laughs> That's amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, speaking of history, Carter, uh, you uh, were part of a Stanley Cup. You know what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. You won a Stanley Cup, and it was the craziest of scenarios, right? Like, there's going to be documentaries for years to come on the COVID Cup, uh, and you were at the center of it all, right? I would love to know, uh, as much as you're willing to, I guess I'm the guy that's asking you about Stanley Cup celebrations in this interview, but like, <laughs> how did how did you even celebrate that Stanley Cup? Oh, we celebrated that cup. There's no <laughs> question about it. We were, locked in a, we were locked away for two months. I mean, we celebrated probably even harder than anyone would normally, I think. I think, yeah, I mean, we had a night in Edmonton and then... It was kind of nice, actually, because we were just together. We didn't really go out or anything in Edmonton. And we just had a night and just just us and selling in the locker room kind of thing, pouring champagne and all that. But then when we got back to Tampa, I mean, it was on. Uh, I mean, I, uh, we had the, that boat parade, I think. I don't know if you yep. guys see oh, that. Yeah. Yep. That, was, that was awesome. It was one of a kind. I mean, you get on the boat, uh, all, all, the whole city is kind of – on the it's like a river and the whole city is on either side kind of just screaming at it. we had a day that day it was awesome sorry just one follow-up on this because like there's nobody like 
it's you grow up dreaming of winning the Stanley Cup, right? And lifting it above your head, fans cheering all over the place. But that's the part that's missing in your first Stanley Cup, right? Like you raise the cup and it's like an empty arena. You win like it, Bill you Daly put clapping. all this effort in. Yeah. And there's like three <laughs> people that are there cheering and maybe the your your team, like the 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 lightning front office staff staff are cheering. Like what when you look back on that, like what was that moment like? It was awesome. Probably one of the best moments of my life. I mean, yeah, it's it didn't matter if anyone's there. I mean, if you, when you lift that cup, it, it's almost like it's uh, a lot. All the hard work you put in as a kid, like it's just it's still a dream. I mean, it didn't really matter. I was actually lucky to have my have my dad there with me too, and uh, he was one of the only family family members that were was there. And yeah, I mean, it, it really didn't matter. I will say the best day was when you get the day with the cup and you bring it back home. That was the best. I mean, trade trade anything for that day just to share with all your friends and family and all the kids and stuff. That was the best for sure. What was the highlight of that day? Did you eat something out of the cup? I don't know. I think I just had a lot of drinks out of that cup. I don't know if I ate anything. I was gonna say I we had time talking to about the boat day. parade before I was I was gonna say that I remember you guys getting real sloppy that day. That was a real sloppy day for you boys when that boat yeah. parade happened. Yeah, the whole two weeks was sloppy right after. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it was epic. It was yeah, epic. it was epic. I mean, on top of the world. Kind of thing. <laughs> last last one for me, Carter. You know, you've scored your share of goals in this league, and and uh, you know, part of the goal scoring in this league now is is the shootout. Now, I wanted to ask you a kind of a current events question. It's been in the news lately, the shootout, because our friend uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov of the Capitals did his slow-mo move again this week and uh, sparked a little bit of controversy, I guess, from people that care about things that are involved in the shootout. First of all, your thoughts when you see the slow-mo move from a guy like Evgeny Kuznetsov and also your thoughts on the shootout as a way to end games. I actually don't mind the shootout to end the game. I mean... uh our schedule during the season is so tough. And I think with all the travel and everything, and if it extended the game, I mean, like the three on three, it could go on for, for almost ever, I feel like. But I mean, I like the shooter. I mean, it's a good, I think it's good for the fans too. You get one on one with the goalie, more goals. And I, I actually don't mind the, his move. I mean, it's in the rules and it's a signature. I actually like it. Cardi, you've been great with your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, just do us a favor. Um, if you win the Stanley Cup this year, let us be the first to ask you about how you celebrated with it, because that's really what I focused on this interview. So let, <laughs> singular focus. In, all right? A let's singular focus. In. Yeah, yeah. Let's lock that in over the summer when you have uh, your day. We'll be there documenting it and everything, yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure. We're going to make that happen. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks, it. man. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Carter. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Big thanks to Carter Verhage for joining us on the show. Uh, we didn't ask him whether he was a big NHL or hockey video game fan, if he played any hockey video games. I know I did growing up, and this month is the anniversary wish of the famous hockey game Blades of Steel. What? Yeah. Any memories playing the game? I love Blades of Steel. I mean, everybody of a certain age was, was all, either a Nintendo ice hockey skitty medium fat fat guy or a blades of steel guy um both games had their virtues blades of steel always rang a little bit more true to the game itself i would say being it had the fighting engine 
and the shootouts and all this other stuff and tried to have real teams. Uh, Nintendo definitely had more of a fun factor, I would say. But uh, our friends from Konami certainly killed it with their hockey game. The Blades of Steel game holds up today. The ice hockey game certainly was transformative at the time, being able to select your characters. But there are some really cool Easter eggs with the Blades of Steel game and things you may never have known about the game, including a certain announcer line where the mystery is finally solved. You're welcome. Here are three things you didn't know about the video game Blades of Steel. Number two will solve a big mystery, and number three will blow your mind. Blades of Steel is still considered one of the best sports video games of all time. It was released in 1987 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. If you lost the fight in this game, you got the penalty. Penalty shots were taken from the blue line. Before we get to the list, some honorable mentions you probably did know. For example, despite this being a hockey video game, the Minnesota hockey team in this game did not have the Minnesota North Stars colors at the time. They had the Minnesota Vikings colors from the NFL. Or how the cover art of this game is inspired by this picture of Wayne Gretzky. But anyway, here's the list. Number one is that Blades of Steel was actually an arcade game before it was released for Nintendo. The arcade version used a trackball to move the players around, and it did not make for a fun experience. The Nintendo version of this game is definitely better overall, but the graphics are clearer in the arcade version, and so is the audio, which brings us to item number two. The announcer is saying, get the pass. Blades of Steel has an announcer saying things like face-off and penalty shot, but a generation of kids were left asking, what was the announcer saying when you passed the puck? Here's what it sounded like in the Nintendo version. Hit the pass, with the pass, make the pass. Now here it is in the arcade version, crystal clear. Get the pass! Perfect shot! Mystery solved. Number three, the teams actually have nicknames. In the NES version, it was only city names, eight in total, four American, four Canadian. But the Japanese version featured all of the team names and their nicknames in the manual. So you got team names like the Toronto Eagles and the Edmonton Bears and the Vancouver Bombers. Chicago are the Angels and Los Angeles are the Hawks, which just seems odd across hockey and baseball. The two weirdest ones though are first, the New York Devils. This was 1987. The New Jersey Devils were clearly a team at this point. And this team is called the Devils wearing Rangers red, white, and blue. This is the craziest one. Minnesota's team is called... The Wilds. Keep in mind, the North Stars were still in the NHL at this point. But somehow, Blades of Steel pulled the Simpsons and predicted what the Minnesota hockey team's name would be a decade prior. So there you have it. Now you know everything about Blades of Steel, and now you also know everything about our top 100 list and what goes into it. I hope that that shed some light. I hope that that uh, calmed people down just a little bit. What do you think? Do you think they'll be more mad or less mad after listening to us in this episode, Wish? Uh, chances are more mad, but again, that's, <laughs> that's why we do the show. We try to connect with you guys, try to let you know what's going on behind the scenes, the best of our abilities, and uh, and hopefully we, we were able to help you understand a little bit more about this list that, again, you have every, every right to be upset about. Uh, next week, folks, Tuesday of next week, Frozen Frenzy. All uh, 32 teams in play, staggered start times. 
it's going to be a huge deal for ESPN, and we're going to have some preview coverage of it in next week's episode. So do stay tuned for that. 15-minute staggered start, second time in NHL history that all 32 teams are playing. Uh, and John Buchagross, Kevin Weeks will have the Frozen Frenzy uh, broadcast. So they'll be going around the league, uh, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Have a good weekend. Look forward to Tuesday and the next episode of Drop. Bye.